Hello, and welcome to the Sound of History podcast. My name is Nick. My name is Mika. Is Hello, Mika? you've reached the loft. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't need to do that. <laughs> That's just what came out. <laughs> <laughs> this is a music history and new girl quotes podcast. I am teaching, well, I'm attempting to teach Mika music history. She's trying to care. Yeah. Well, check us out on YouTube. I think you can just go to youtube.com slash soundofhistory underscore and you'll get there. No one does it like that. Maybe you need to do an at before. Just search Sound of History on, on... Yeah, but we don't have a lot of subscribers, so we might not come up. So I gotta give like a direct link. That's how that works? I think so. I, don't know, I mean, you probably will. I don't know. We're on there. Okay. What? That's all I got. So Mika is the host now. Do you want to tell them about your toy? No. You have to now. <laughs> no, I don't. I'm going to just cut this out. <laughs> I control the final edit. No, tell them. <laughs> I got a little clock thing that tells the time based on quotes from books. It's cute. It's fun. I like it a lot. Because you, you backed it. And now okay. it's here. It was a Kickstarter project. Because you're years such ago. a cool person. Enough about you. Mika is the host now. Um... I'm on my period and I'm crazy. <laughs> I don't normally get crazy. I don't think. I'm crazy now. It's happened. Maybe I'll be better tomorrow. Who knows? Have you guys been watching Love is Blind? I've been watching Love is Blind. It's very good for when you're crazy. I have not been watching. I wouldn't know. Oh my gosh. It's so great. It's actually like it actually probably is going to be a really good season. There are some cute pairs on there. Good. I don't know what's happening. Uh, I mean, you can be done if you want to be done. <laughs> it's your segment. You do whatever you want. I don't know what I want. That's the problem with the whole past like three days is that <laughs> I don't know what I want. You can't ask me what I want. <laughs> I don't know. It's your segment. No. I've planned out my segment. So this is your chance to do what you want. No, I don't want to. I'm done. Decision made. All right. Mika no longer the host now. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've been talking about hip hop like a month ago. I think we were. That's not that long ago. I think it was last year. Oh. That we recorded it. Never mind. I think. Or was it in January? I don't remember. It was either early January or end of last year. I was going to say like, good job us. (laughs) Sorry. We're on like a one episode a month pace right now. That's what we did last year. We did one episode a month. Busy. I'm sorry. And, but check out the YouTube because there's been a lot more music history content over there if you're interested in it. Yeah. Because you work so hard and I also work so hard at (laughs) other things. Yep. Okay. Do you remember anything about that hip hop episode? No. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. Marky Mark? Marky. That was 80s pop. It was Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Okay. But that was not last episode. Okay. It's close, but it wasn't last episode. Okay. Last episode, we talked about... um, We watched MTV videos. I think so. A couple, yeah. Because we talked about KRS-One. Uh-huh. That was right. Because knowledge trains supreme (laughs) over everyone. Nearly everyone. We talked about <laughs> talked about Africa Bimbada. We talked about DJ Cool Herc. Oh, and we 
talked about the the yeah the scratching yeah yeah turn turntables oh cool. how the turntables <laughs> i think what's that from the office oh michael scott says it when they're getting bought out oh how, how do you the turntables the top of your head <laughs> so the main thing that i think we should remind people about last episode was the idea of like DJs having different classifications. Do you remember that? Like Grandmaster, whatever. That's, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, because we're talking about Grandmaster Flash. So I think what I saw about what made people be able to be called a Grandmaster is that you contributed something. like you Something new. Yes, you developed a technique somehow. Who uh, who awards this, this title? Another comment I saw was that the way you know you're a grandmaster is if you call yourself that and no one corrects you. That's so, got to be an embarrassing trial and error, though. <laughs> it does, yeah. <laughs> so people like Grandmaster Flash, like no one's going to debate that. Or DJ Cool Herc, even though I don't know that he ever called himself a grandmaster, no one would ever debate it because like they're so clear. But there was like Grandmaster Kaz last episode, who was probably also clear. I don't know. Is Cool Herc the one who scratched the record when his mom no. walked in the room? DJ Cool Herc was the guy who invented it. He was the first ever hip hop DJ and the guy who first started doing it. Right. Well, Not scratching. His mom's... No, just DJing in general. Oh. Like he would isolate the breaks of disco songs. Okay. And play those. Uh, forgot the name of the guy who did scratching, but he was just a kid. Right. I think he was part of like Grandmaster Flash's orbit. Okay. But yeah, listen to that episode if you want more about that. Anyway. I remember this. It was fun. Do you, I'm assuming you don't know anything about Grandmaster Flash or the Furious Five? Um, the Furious Five has been Diesel and is about family. And then Grandmaster Flash invented five. something new All right, in, yeah. in hip hop. Did you just question what genre we were talking about? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, that's the episode. That's all we need to do. Hip hop is family. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> so, Joseph Sadler was born on January 1st in 1958. Oh, I wonder if he was like the New Year's baby and they put him on the, like the, the, the front page of the website or like the newsletter for like the newspaper. In 1958. <laughs> newspaper. Uh, well, he was born in Barbados. So, maybe. They celebrate yeah. New Year's there. Yeah, but. Yeah. They have news. <laughs> yeah, okay. They just might not care. Um, his family immigrated to New York sometime in the early 60s, so he was pretty young, and he was mostly raised in the Bronx. From an early age, he was super fascinated with his dad's expensive record collection, and he'd often sneak records by, like, Aretha Franklin and Led Zeppelin and Miles Davis and Louis Armstrong, just to kind of name a few. Very diverse. taste. Yeah. But when he got caught sneaking those records, the consequence was often physical abuse from his dad. Well, he said, quote, My father was a very heavy record collector. I used to open his closets and just watch all the records he had. I love how he said watch. watch? As if they're going to do something. <laughs> <laughs> I think look at is probably. I mean, okay. I used to get into trouble for touching his records, but I'd go right back and bother them. End quote. I like how this person thinks. Yeah. He's like, they're alive. 
His mom recognized that he had a fascination with electronics, so she sent him to Samuel Gomper's high school. Who now? Samuel Gomper. Yeah, Samuel Gomper. (laughs) Gomper. Yeah, Gomper. Where'd you go to high school? Oh, I'm a Gomper. (laughs) That's awful. (laughs) That's probably not what they called themselves. But it was a vocational school that was located in the Bronx. It was designed to provide technical or vocational skills, kind of like electrician work or carpentry, plumbing, whatever. Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with the concept. But Joseph didn't want to be an electrician. He wanted to experiment with music. It was also at that school that he got the nickname Flash. Can you guess where his nickname came from? Does he run really fast? No. Does he take pictures always with the flash on? (laughs) No. It's because he always hung around with a kid named Gordon. So Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon was like a popular character back then. So since this guy was Gordon, they just started calling him Flash. You expected me to guess that? (laughs) No. I was just going to see what you said. Who the hell is Flash Gordon? I think he's a cartoon character. Is this know. the Flash or is this a different no. Flash? This is a different thing. It's a space opera superhero film. Holy cow. Space opera superhero? Ming the Merciless of the planet Mongo began, begins Earth's destruction by remotely causing natural disasters. On Earth, football, store, football star Gregory Flash Gordon boards a small plane and meets travel agent Dale Arden. All right, that's you lost me a little bit. You could have just stopped at like the the, nope. the genre. I had I to get there. Had to get through all. Of it. Okay, so now he's Flash. Okay, now he's Flash. After high school, he immersed himself in the New York DJ scene, attending parties by legendary figures like Cool Herc and Disco King Mario. Huh. It's a great name. Do you have to? Is do you have to do something to be a a king? I don't think so. Okay. I think just master and grandmaster, and I think gotcha. there's other ones, but I don't know. Flash said about seeing Cool Herc play, quote, I didn't find the way he played exciting. What I found exciting was what he was playing, end quote. Okay, Shade. <laughs> <laughs> it was through watching those early DJs that Flash had an idea, and his earlier study of electronics gave him the knowledge to actually pull it off. We kind of talked about this a little bit last episode, but Cool Herc was playing a lot of old funk records, specifically playing the part of the song called The Break which was a very rhythm-heavy section designed for dancing. Flash thought he could take that idea and mix it with techniques employed by people like Pete DJ Jones. We're not going to get much into Pete DJ Jones, but when describing what he loved about Pete's style, Flash said, quote, What I liked about Pete's style is that he kept the music continuous. He didn't take out a certain section of the record or continuously go back and forth. He just kept everything going. So this is where we overlap? I think so, yeah. Okay. So he started to... So he started to develop a style of DJing that he called quick mix theory. What's a theory? It got very technical, so I could be getting stuff very wrong here. I did my best. I don't I'm not good at the technical stuff. I really do like how this guy thinks. A simple way to explain this development is that he figured if he could have two records spinning, he could have the break of the first record playing while he listened to the second record in his headphones. That way he could cue it up and have the second record's break play as soon as the first record's break ended using like a fader. That way the break music happened continuously without the need to pause and switch records. He would use a crayon to mark where the break started so he could go backward to repeat it on the first record, keeping the music going. I love it. He also switched up the sound a little bit because he went beyond just disco and funk records and he looked for records from like Latin music or rock music 
that had intense drum solos. So I found a little video of like a demonstration he did. Okay. Later in his life, showcasing his quick mix theory. Yeah. See a little bit what I'm talking about because I'm not good at explaining. No, no, it it made sense. Going fast? No, I wasn't with it. Six counterclockwise. Doesn't matter the genre. how it's always the same and not back is I, music that predictable he ex- I, he explained it earlier in the video that i didn't show you but it's he's talking more about like the technical aspect of a record when it goes forward you have to move it like one and a half back to get to the same spot or something okay. so it's less about like the music and more about just like the technical aspect of a vinyl record got you but i don't I don't really remember. Okay. <laughs> I wrote this a long time ago. Flash calls his way of spinning the record the final development needed for the birth of hip-hop. He said, quote, We all played a part. Herc was first, the founder. Then Bam had the most selections. And I just came up with a way to deliver the music, technically speaking. So the three of us together sort of figured it out. Who the hell is Bam? I don't know. <laughs> I might have known he when I wrote this, but important. I don't remember. The quick mix theory incorporated the scratching technique that was developed by Grand Wizard Theodore, which we talked about last episode. So that was the guy, the kid, Grand Wizard Theodore. Do you think they started calling him a Grand Wizard when he was little? (laughs) I I doubt it, but maybe. Wait, he's a Grand Wizard? Yeah. Not Grand Master. So Wizard is a different... Yeah, it's not quite as up there, I guess. They took a lot of this from like Kung Fu names. Wild. Yeah. So what this technique did was give precision to DJing and help the DJ keep time with the rhythm of the beat. He worked on and experimented with this style for like three years, playing in parks where people didn't really understand what it was that he was trying to do. (laughs) This method of spinning also really improved rapping, because now rappers could rap over a steady beat for however long they wanted. Flash could stretch a break that lasted 10 seconds into 10 minutes, and it gave rappers some consistency to play with. That's awesome. Yeah. At first, Flash tried to do the whole rapping part himself, and at that time, it was basically just people talking to the beat. Right. But, I mean, as you can tell from that video, that the technique's pretty complicated. Right. <laughs> that would be a lot really tough. So he quickly realized that manning the turntables required all of his attention, so at his parties, he'd just leave the mic out for whoever wanted to give it a try. That's fun. He said that a lot of people tried, and most people failed. <laughs> Until someone... Same. <laughs> 
until someone named Robert Keith Wiggins took the mic. He was born in 1960 in the South Bronx, and his sisters remembered that he grew up rhyming and banging beats out on all of the living room furniture. Oh, I bet that was so fun as a big sister. (laughs) Yeah, I bet they loved it. Flash and Wiggins, who went by the name Cowboy, were good friends. Good. So when Cowboy took the mic and started doing call and response rhymes over Flash's beats, it all just kind of clicked. He started saying things like, put your hands in the air and wave them like you just don't care. Things that would become staples of like hip hop in the future. Oh yay. I'm sure that was really cool the first time someone said it. <laughs> so Flash asked him to regularly rap over his beats, and soon after Flash found another rapper who called himself Mel Mel. That one's not as good as Cowboy. It's it's possible I mispronounce it because it's M E L L E M E L. So Mele Mel. That would be better. Okay. Mel A. Mel then. I think I just call him Mel. That's fair. But his name was Melvin Glover, and he was born in 1961 in the Bronx. His dad was a musician, and his mother was a nursing aide. He'd loved music from an early age after digging into his father's record collection, and when Flash asked him to join his little group, Mel was maybe the first person to call himself an MC, which stood for Master of Ceremonies. So... We've already got people inventing, put your hands in the air and wave them like you just don't care, and MCs. It's a very important group in hip-hop. Okay. And we got a cowboy. And a cowboy. Later in the 70s, more MCs joined until they officially became Grandmaster Flash in the Furious Five. One of the rappers that joined was Guy Todd Williams, who went by the name Raheem. Okay. As part of state-funded after-school programs designed to keep kids out of gang activity, Rahim took his first music classes in junior high, where he learned how to read music and play the saxophone. Let's go. Let's go, school. Doing something right. It's a good after-school program. I wish I learned how to play saxophone as an after-school program. Do you really? Because I don't think that you would have had fun with that. I think I would have enjoyed the saxophone. Why would I not? I don't think you'd be wanting to do more things after school. In, like, early high school, I would. That's fair. It wasn't until later where I was working and couldn't. In high school, he randomly found a key that just happened to be the key to the music room. At yeah, least, he found it. Yeah, that's what he says. So. Okay. <laughs> so during lunches, he'd sneak in there and taught himself how to play the piano. That's a good use of finding keys. Yeah. <laughs> in 1978, Raheem joined a group called the Funky Four that be- that became quite known in the Bronx for their rapping ability and choreographed dance routines. Hell Yeah. That group then got the chance to battle the group that Glam- that Grandmaster Flash was putting together. Wait, is he in both? No, this was before. Oh, okay. We're in his backstory now. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't... You didn't tell me. Well, we went back to when he was born and in high school and stuff. Okay. Oh, but yeah, you're right. I forgot <laughs> to do the... <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, Grandmaster Flash had a group. I think Cowboy and Mel were in it, but I don't think it had like a name. Maybe it did. I don't know. I... I- Bet you it had a name. Probably, yeah. So Flash's group won that battle, but a few days later, two members of Flash's group came to Raheem's house and asked him to join, which Raheem was very happy to do. Raheem said about seeing Flash's group perform, quote, they were entertainers. You didn't just come to hear them, you came to see them as well. What he was doing musically on the turntables was unprecedented at that time, end quote. Back in time, but just like a little bit, I think. Bloop, bloop. The other new addition was Eddie Morris, who went by the name Scorpio, or sometimes Mr. Ness. 
Those are different. (laughs) (laughs) Those are very different vibes. (laughs) And he was mostly a break dancer before he became a rapper. In the late 70s, because of the Sugar Hill Gang. Do you remember the Sugar Hill Gang? No. It was that one lady who first wanted to record rap music. Oh, hell yeah. And she went around and Cool Herc was like, that will never work. And then they had that song, Uh Rapper's Delight, that ended up being like the first song that broke rap music into the the mainstream a little bit yes okay so because of the sugar hill gang hip-hop became what no one really expected it to be recorded music so with his group complete flash turned his attention to recording the group signed to enjoy records which was a small label run out of harlem and released their first single super rapping in 1979 that's very unique (laughs) do you want to hear super rapping i guess i do okay it was a party night, everybody was breaking, the highs was screaming, and the bass was shaking, and it won't be long till everybody knowing that flash was on the beat, boss going, that flash was on the beat, boss going, that flash was on the beat, boss going. This is super rapping number two. And yeah, I don't know. And and shana na. Italian, Caucasian, Japanese, Spanish, Indian, Negro, B, and the B. Super rapid. So do you think you could name me the members of the group right now? Cowboy. Mm-hmm. Melly Mel. <laughs> Ness. Mr. Ness. Raheem. Mm-hmm. That's all of them. See, they kept saying that there was five of them and Flash. There is are. it okay for me to call him Flash for short or is that disrespectful? <laughs> I think that's fine. I feel like there was the fifth one, but I don't remember. Well, because I think there was a guy named King Creole. I did hear Creole. Yeah, but I, I guess I just forgot to put him in here. <laughs> <laughs> also, aren't you impressed with me? I am. I'm very good. Yeah, I'm the best. I'm so smart. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just missed this paragraph. Oh, okay. Earlier on. Creole. Uh, <laughs> it He's Mele Mel's brother, Nathaniel Glover, who went by the name Kid Creole after the Elvis Presley movie named King Creole. Okay. Topical. So he joined the group and they started going by the name Grandmaster Flash and the three MCs at that time. That's a good name too. These kids are good at naming. Yeah. So yeah, Kid Kid Creole was one of the earliest ones. It was him and Mel Mel and Mele Mel and Cowboy. Those were <laughs> the original three. Okay, so now we got five. We're good now. We're back on track. Good job. Um, See, I'm keeping you focused. You are. Look look. at that. (laughs) I thought Kid Creole just came in later, but no, he was one of the original ones. (laughs) So maybe they had just started their recording career, but things were turning sour within the group around this time. Oh, no. Grandmaster Flash was taking top billing and more money for their parties, which annoyed the MCs. Raheem said that they all started to dabble with cocaine around this time as well, which would become a much bigger problem for some of them than others. That do be how that goes. 
Those first recordings in 1979 were credited to Grandmaster Flash in The Furious Five, but studio musicians did Flash's part for all but one of the songs. What was Flash doing? Just, I guess he just didn't feel like he needed to be there. His, I feel like his whole thing was more live shows than like recording. Uh, okay. But you could see how that would start to annoy. I would be bothered MCs. by that. <laughs> like we're the ones who did all the work on this recording, and you're getting like more exposure for it than we are. I would, bo- I would be bothered. Your name's on it, and we're just the Furious Five. So now their fan base was expanding to people who had only ever heard the recordings and never went to a Grandmaster Flash party. So the group started to wonder why Flash was getting top billing and building his name and not all of theirs. In 1980, they made the jump to, at that time, hip-hop's flagship label, Sugar Hill, which was started by that one lady. With the lady. Yeah. And they started to release a ton more music and tour extensively. Flash also started to branch out and play with other types of artists. He was referenced in a Blondie song called Rapture in 1980, which was the first song to feature rapping that hit number one. Oh, cool. And the first song to feature rapping that played on MTV. Cool. Is it, or is it a little racist? Because it's like, we can stomach this new music oh, yeah, no, if white people, racist, <laughs> if like, white people I just, do it. I like Blondie, so I'm yeah. like, oh yeah, great, good yeah. job. <laughs> Their Blondie was always, at least Debbie and her boyfriend Chris, were always like aware of the art scenes that were happening and like mm-hmm. the underground and bubbling up. Like a lot of these early rappers were like, yeah, no, they were great. They were always out hanging mm-hmm. out with us. So Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five opened for The Clash in 1981 which did not go well because Why? punk fans didn't understand this new hip-hop sound. Why? I, I mean... Oh, wait. They're the ones who are so, like, stick up their ass about what <laughs> is classified as punk, aren't they? Maybe not as much Clash fans, but, like, the Clash weren't at all, but a lot of their fans might have been. But just think like a... They were so pretentious. Like, that's who I'm thinking of, right? No, I think you're thinking of the Sex Pistols. No, just, like, in general, like, punk, punk? fans. Yeah. They Probably. were very, like, gatekeepy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that makes sense. Yeah, but can you just imagine going to, like, a punk show and seeing this, like, what's now sounds a little bit cheesy hip-hop group open. You'd be a little bit like, what is happening here? I've I've experienced <laughs> yeah. not that, but similar, and I so didn't then, riot, so. <laughs> I mean, they didn't riot. They just didn't like it. I'm sure they made their discontent known. Yes. And Grandmaster Flash released a seven-minute showcase of his talents called The Adventures of Grandmaster Flash on the Wheels of Steel. It's catchy. It's a lot. (laughs) During this period, they had one of their first hits with a song called Freedom. You ready to listen to Freedom? I'm ready. Somebody, somebody, if you want to party, say party. There are seven people on this album cover. There's a lot of lineup changes. I didn't keep track of all of them that happened. It was very hard to find accurate information about this group. Come on, go do it. Put your body in. If the feeling is good, you might as well. 
right? That's freedom. Doesn't it sound like a hit? Yeah. But they got their first big hit with their song called The Message in 1982. Well, what was the difference? I mean, you can have like a hit on like the R&B charts, but it doesn't cross over. And then this one's like a hit on the actual Billboard singles chart or whatever. Okay. It's called The Message in 1982, a song that most of the group hated. Oh, no. It was very different from what they were used to. It was a social conscious song about inner city poverty. Mele Mel said, quote, Our group, like Flash and the Furious Five, we didn't actually want to do the message because we was used to doing party raps and boasting about how good we are and all that. End quote. Um, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, it was just like... The early hip hop thing of like I'm the best, you can't like that kind of stuff. Like just that those are the Okay, I heard him. Okay. <laughs> so this was one this was seems different. to have a little bit more substance than the other, but you know what? Like it does. I it's <laughs> I I can't it just wasn't that's the cool. Thing. It's okay. I can't talk But Mel, the guy who said that, was the only one of the Furious Five who actually featured on the song, which makes sense because he co wrote it. He wrote the freaking song. <laughs> I, it's just it. Melly Mel. What do you want? What do you mean? I feel I feel kinship in the confusion. <laughs> I think he's saying that like the group probably heard it and they were like, "It's fine, but it doesn't sound like a Furious Five song. Like it just it sounds too different. Like it's not our style, which makes sense to me. Like that yeah. happens a lot. That's why people go solo. Yeah. Um, but now it's considered one of the most important hip hop songs of all time. Well, good job, Melly Mel, and whoever to, you wrote it with. You ready to listen to it? This is the message. I feel like you might have heard this one before. I've definitely heard this. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. Everywhere people on the stage, you know they just don't care. I can't take the smell, can't take the noise. Got no money to move out, I guess I got no choice. Rats in the front room, roaches in the back, junkies in the alley with the baseball bat. I tried to get away, but I couldn't get far. Cause a man with the touch of repossessed my car. Don't push me, cause I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. <laughs> it's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. Standing on the front stoop, hanging out the window, watching all the cars go by, roaring as the breezes blow. A crazy lady living in a bag, eating out of garbage pails. Used to be a fag hag. Such all right, that's the message. Don't you know that one? I do know it, but it's funny because I don't think I ever like heard a verse. And so yeah. it's like you just to have, have it part. click into context. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just heard the don't push me because I'm close to the edge part. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And yeah. the other the other little chorus. I don't know. Hook pre-chorus. Hook? I don't know. So that song really was a departure from what most people considered rap to be. But in my opinion, it helped keep hip hop alive. I mean, there were people like Public Enemy who were doing something similar with kind of like the social mm-hmm. conscious thing. But to have a founder of hip hop's name on a song like that really opened the genre up to do more things. 
if they just kind of stayed with that party rapping style, I think it would have been a fad that died mm-hmm. out pretty fast. So this broadened it a little bit. As that song grew and grew in popularity, things started to fall apart within the group. Flash sued Sugar Hill for unpaid royalties. Fair. Which ended up in him leaving the label and signing with Electra Records. But when he left, he only took Kid Creole and Raheem with him. Which is weird because Mel stayed and Kid Creole is Mel's brother. Right. But whatever. There was a massive split between Mel and Flash on kind of like they were the two leaders of the different factions within the Furious Five. Cowboy and Scorpio stayed with Mel at Sugar Hill and they kept making music as Grandmaster Mel in the Furious Five. Why is Mel a Grandmaster? I don't know. I feel like I just at this point he's earned it. He can call himself whatever he wants. And I'm sure they added extra MCs to become the Furious Five again. Mm-hmm. Scorpio said about the split, quote, At that time we were a group, but the biggest mistake the Furious Five made was to leave his name before ours. Talking, obviously, about Grandmaster Flash. But wait, who said that? Uh, Scorpio. But he was okay with Mel doing it? I guess so. I don't know. But th- <laughs> he's saying this years later, so maybe he wasn't. Yeah. But Plus, also, you have the pattern, so I get, like, having to keep the name kind of. And there's also probably a part of him that thinks Mel is actually doing more than Grandmaster Flash at this point. So he's like, I'm okay with it, because Mel yeah. wrote the message. Mel's, like, rapping and all of the, like, Mel yeah. is the lead. Yeah. Uh, anyway, continuing the quote. Being young kids, we thought, we started as a group. Let's end like that. We didn't know that ultimately it would turn around where he would use the brand that we all helped build against us. We were still performing, but Mel brought it to our attention. Flash understood branding in our group before us. So once he understood, after all of these records we put out and tours, and people were starting to say Grandmaster Flash and not the Furious Five. End quote. That's hard. Yeah. Just getting mad about branding. By 1983, the bottom had fallen out for Grandmaster Flash. He was struggling with addiction to a drug he called Bass. and he. I don't know. I don't know drugs. I think it's more potent cocaine, maybe. I don't know. And he had gone broke since it was a really expensive drug. He said he was making mixtapes for drug dealers in exchange for drugs. And in the middle of this drug binge, he heard the song White Lines by Mel Mel. Mel A Mel. Which was all about cocaine use. That song also had Flash's name on it, even though he didn't really have anything to do with it. Hmm. But they were like still a group by that point. But it was a massive song that made his group a household name. And it's very ironic that that's like a massive song about cocaine while he is like going broke from his drug use. Oof. Flash said about hearing the song, quote, Now the guys are saying no to drugs on this new record, but I bet they're out looking for the dope man just like me. End quote. So he's calling them hypocrites. I did catch that. Okay. It was subtle. So, so this is White Lines. Parentheses, don't do it. No, parentheses, don't, don't do it. Oh, <laughs> I think that's a typo. I do think the song actually isn't super anti-drugs, but then the label is like, you gotta make it. <laughs> so they put don't do it in parentheses. In dreams of passion. And all the while I think of you. A very strange reaction. I see, the more I do. Baby. 
way. Tell all your friends they can go my way. Pay your toll, sell your soul. Pound for pound, cost more than gold. The longer you stay, the more you pay. My white lines go a long way. Either up or down. All right, that's white lines. Hated the music video. <laughs> In 1984, Flash ended up at a hospital in a coma, weighing 118 pounds. Ooh! Yeah, things had turned a little bit rough for him. In 1987, the group reformed as a part of a charity concert and then released an album called On the Strength. It was only the group's second album, and it would be their last. It did not do well, and after that, they permanently split. Was he out of a coma to participate in this album, or was <laughs> yes. he not needed for the recording? He might not have been needed, but he was there. The next year, in 1989, Cowboy passed away from a drug overdose. R.I.P. Cowboy. Uh, Kid Creole, Mel's brother, who sided, who sided with Flash in the dispute, never recovered from his own addictions. After the last breakup, Creole faded into obscurity... Eventually, he was working as a security guard and a maintenance man, and a neighbor said, quote, he walks through crowds of people who don't know who he is, young rappers, and he never tells them that he started hip-hop. Most of the time, he's coming and going to work, but every once in a while, he's dressed up real nice and getting into a limo outside going to an awards event, end <laughs> quote. In 2017, he was arrested for stabbing a homeless man named John Jolly. Okay. Because Creole thought Jolly was hitting on him. Ooh. <laughs> Creole said he initially tried ignoring Jolly, but he was worried that Jolly would try to rob him. John Jolly died from the stab wounds. Kid Creole was sentenced to 16 years in prison for manslaughter. Golly, that's dark. Yep. He took a turn, too. Raheem has also somewhat faded into obscurity since the group disbanded. He's worked a bit behind the scenes with artists like Dr. Dre and Blackstreet, as well as working on the Netflix show The Get Down. Other than that, I can't really find much information about what he's been up to. Good for him. Yeah. Mel and Scorpio are still out touring together and making music, and they're still mad at Flash. Oh, God. <laughs> Mel has actually had a decent amount of success post-Furious Five Days. He's steadily released music and worked with big-name artists. Mel thinks that Flash is stealing the name that they all built up and using it to get more money while blocking him and Scorpio from doing the same. He said, quote, No matter what happens, if you say Grandmaster Flash, you think of Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, but you never get to the Furious Five part. With that, he does like 200 shows a year, and me and Scorp are lucky to do like nine shows. But we all based on the same group and the same music that Flash really never had a part in. End quote. That's rough. So it's safe to say your reunion seems unlikely at this time, but you never know. Grandmaster Flash has since gotten sober and has been around, but has been around music in the hip hop scene since then. In 2017, Flash and his group were the first rap artist inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He That's interesting. Yeah, he released his memoir in 2008, where he really detailed the effects of his addiction for the first time. He's released several albums, and he's worked on the Netflix show The Get Down with Raheem. He's really just kind of been hanging out and doing his thing for the past few years. All right. And that's Grandmaster Flash. And And the the Furious Furious Five. Five. (laughs) Come on, man. You're just as bad as he is. It's just so much to say. It's so much easier to say Grandmaster Flash. You're really disrespecting Melly Mel. You didn't even know how to say say his his name. I still really don't. Any thoughts on the, these pioneers 
of hip hop? The music wasn't my favorite. Okay. But I, I'm a big fan of the whole like we're gonna figure out how to do the whole two turn, <laughs> the two the two the thing quick mix theory. That was really great. It's really cool. All right. Well, big respect for that. Next episode, we take a drastic departure, still in hip hop, but like the opposite spectrum, and we talk about NWA. So we talk about this is kind of like the birth of hip hop in general, mm-hmm. and then we talk about how it splinters and the birth of gangster rap which is very different from a lot of the rap we've been listening to so far. Mm-hmm. You excited about that one? Yeah, I'm really excited. There's a lot of, a lot of cussing in that one. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. You, you sound like it. <laughs> well, it'll probably be up in like April, so. See you in April. And Shanana. Italian, Caucasian, Japanese, Spanish, Indian, Negro, B, and the B. See, this jockey's to all the black kids and the young ladies.